Carl, uh, what is your reaction to the president saying the Mueller probe never should have started in the first place? He said that all along, and he's determined to shut it down. Those who are closest to him will tell you it's very hard for them to stop his rages, especially in the last couple of weeks, about Mueller. And that they say to me and others that, that he is determined to shut this investigation down. He hasn't quite figured out how to do it, but he's determined to do it. <laughs> Making the world a better place, <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now... The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. David Hogg, senior at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Let's go ahead and listen in. student's life in Florida. One dollar and five cents. Okay. I'm here today to talk about a disturbing question, which has an equally disturbing answer. My topic is the secrets of domestic violence. And the question I'm going to tackle is the one question everyone always asks. Why does she stay? Why would anyone stay with a man who beats her? I'm not a psychiatrist, a social worker, or an expert in domestic violence. I'm just one woman with a story to tell. I was 22. I had just graduated from Harvard College. I'd moved to New York City for my first job as a writer and editor at Seventeen Magazine. I had my first apartment, my first little green American Express card, and I had a very big secret. My secret was that I had this gun loaded with hollow point bullets pointed at my head by the man who I thought was my soulmate many, many times. The man who I loved more than anybody on earth held a gun to my head and threatened to kill me more times than I can even remember. I'm here to tell you the story of crazy love, a psychological trap disguised as love, one that millions of women and even a few men fall into every year. It may even be your story. I don't look like a typical domestic violence survivor. I have a BA in English from Harvard College, an MBA in marketing from Wharton Business School. I spent most of my career working for Fortune 500 companies, including Johnson & Johnson, Leo Burnett, and The Washington Post. I've been married for almost 20 years to my second husband, and we have three kids together. 
My dog is a black lab, and I drive a Honda Odyssey minivan. <laughs> so my first message for you is that domestic violence happens to everyone. All races, all religions, all income and education levels. It's everywhere. And my second message is that everyone thinks domestic violence happens to women, that it's a women's issue. Not exactly. Over 85% of abusers are men. And domestic abuse happens only in intimate, interdependent, long-term relationships. In other words, in families. The last place we would want or expect to find violence. Which is one reason domestic abuse is so confusing. I would have told you myself that I was the last person on earth who would stay with a man who beats me. But in fact, I was a very typical victim because of my age. I was 22. And in the United States, women ages 16 to 24 are three times as likely to be domestic violence victims as women of other ages. And over 500 women and girls this age are killed every year by abusive partners, boyfriends and husbands in the United States. I was also a very typical victim because I knew nothing about domestic violence, its warning signs or its patterns. I met Connor on a cold, rainy January night. He sat next to me on the New York City subway, and he started chatting me up. He told me two things. One was that he, too, had just graduated from an Ivy League school, and that he worked at a very impressive Wall Street bank. But what made the biggest impression on me that first meeting was that he was smart and funny. And he looked like a farm boy. He had these big cheeks, these big apple cheeks, and this wheat blonde hair, and he seemed so sweet. One of the smartest things Connor did from the very beginning was to create the illusion that I was the dominant partner in the relationship. He did this, especially at the beginning, by idolizing me. We started dating, and he loved everything about me. That I was smart, that I'd gone to Harvard, that I was passionate about helping teenage girls and my job. He wanted to know everything about my family and my childhood, my hopes and dreams. Connor believed in me as a writer and a woman in a way that no one else ever had. And he also created a magical atmosphere of trust between us by confessing his secret, which was that as a very young boy starting at age four, he had been savagely and repeatedly physically abused by his stepfather. And the abuse had gotten so bad that he had had to drop out of school in eighth grade, even though he was very smart. And he'd spent almost 20 years rebuilding his life, which is why that Ivy League degree and the Wall Street job and his bright, shiny future meant so much to him. If you had told me that this smart, funny, sensitive man who adored me would one day dictate whether or not I wore makeup, how short my skirts were, where I lived, what jobs I took, who my friends were, and where I spent Christmas, I would have laughed at you. Because there was not a hint of violence or control or anger in Connor at the beginning. I didn't know that the first stage in any domestic violence relationship is to seduce and charm the victim. I also didn't know that the second step is to isolate the victim. Now, Connor did not come home one day and announce, 
you know, hey, this, all this Romeo and Juliet stuff has been great, but I need to move into the next phase where I isolate you and I abuse you. <laughs> so I need to get you out of this apartment where the neighbors can hear you scream and out of the city where you have friends and family and coworkers who can see the bruises. Instead, Connor came home one Friday evening and he told me that he had quit his job that day, his dream job. And he said that he had quit his job because of me, because I had made him feel so safe and loved that he didn't need to prove himself on Wall Street anymore. And he just wanted to get out of the city and away from his abusive, dysfunctional family and move to a tiny town in New England where he could start his life over with me by his side. Now, the last thing I wanted to do was leave New York and my, my dream job. But I thought you made sacrifices for your soulmate. So I agreed, and I quit my job, and Connor and I left Manhattan together. I had no idea I was falling into crazy love, that I was walking headfirst into a carefully laid physical, financial, and psychological trap. The next step in the domestic violence pattern is to introduce the threat of violence and see how she reacts. And here's where those guns come in. As soon as we moved to New England, you know that place where Connor was supposed to feel so safe? He bought three guns. He kept one in the glove compartment of our car. He kept one under the pillows on our bed and the third one he kept in his pocket at all times. And he said that he needed those guns because of the trauma he'd experienced as a young boy. He needed them to feel protected. But those guns were really a message for me. And even though he hadn't raised a hand to me, my life was already in grave danger every minute of every day. Connor first physically attacked me five days before our wedding. It was 7 a.m., I still had on my nightgown. I was working on my computer trying to finish a freelance writing assignment, and I got frustrated. And Connor used my anger as an excuse to put both of his hands around my neck and to squeeze so tightly that I could not breathe or scream. And he used the chokehold to hit my head repeatedly against the wall. Five days later, the 10 bruises on my neck had just faded and I put on my mother's wedding dress, and I married him. Despite what had happened, I was sure we were going to live happily ever after. Because I loved him, and he loved me so much. And he was very, very sorry. He had just been really stressed out by the wedding and by becoming a family with me. It was an isolated incident, and he was never going to hurt me again. It happened twice more on the honeymoon. The first time, I was driving to find a secret beach, and I got lost. And he punched me in the side of my head so hard that the other side of my head repeatedly hit the driver's side window. And then a few days later, driving home from our honeymoon, he got frustrated by traffic, and he threw a cold Big Mac in my face. Connor proceeded to beat me once or twice a week for the next two and a half years of our marriage. I was mistaken in thinking that I was unique and alone in this situation. One in three American women experiences domestic violence or stalking at some point in her life. 
And the CDC reports that 15 million children are abused every year. 15 million. So actually, I was in very good company. Back to my question. Why did I stay? The answer is easy. I didn't know he was abusing me. Even though he held those loaded guns to my head, pushed me downstairs, threatened to kill our dog, pulled the key out of the car ignition as I drove down the highway, poured coffee grinds on my head as I dressed for a job interview. I never once thought of myself as a battered wife. Instead, I was a very strong woman in love with a deeply troubled man, and I was the only person on earth who could help Connor face his demons. The other question everybody asks is, why doesn't she just leave? Why didn't I walk out? I could have left any time. To me, this is the saddest and most painful question that people ask. Because okay, we victims so know something here. you usually don't. It's incredibly dangerous to leave an abuser. Because the final step in the domestic violence pattern is kill her. Over 70% of domestic violence murders happen after the victim has ended the relationship, after she's gotten out, because then the abuser has nothing left to lose. Other outcomes include long-term stalking, even after the abuser remarries, denial of financial resources, and manipulation of the family court system to terrify the victim and her children, who are regularly forced by family court judges to spend unsupervised time with the man who beat their mother. And still we ask, why doesn't she just leave? I was able to leave because of one final sadistic beating that broke through my denial. I realized that the man who I loved so much was going to kill me if I let him. So I broke the silence. I told everyone. The police, my neighbors, my friends and family, total strangers. And I'm here today because you all helped me. We tend to stereotype victims as grisly headlines, self-destructive women, damaged goods. The question, why does she stay, is code for some people for it's her fault for staying. As if victims intentionally choose to fall in love with men intent upon destroying us. But since publishing Crazy Love, I have heard hundreds of stories from men and women who also got out, who learned an invaluable life lesson from what happened, and who rebuilt lives, joyous, happy lives, as employees, wives, and mothers, lives completely free of violence, like me. Because it turns out that I'm actually a very typical domestic violence victim and a typical domestic violence survivor. I remarried a kind and gentle man. We have those three kids. I have that black lab, and I have that minivan. What I will never have again, ever, is a loaded gun held to my head by someone who's... This is Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. 
The George Warner Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, welcome to the George. Okay. I don't know. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. It's it's great to be um, here. It's great to know that you're out there and that you're paying attention. And um, it's all great. It's all fun. It's all it's all. As you can see, I'm out of breath. I can't fake it. I can't fake it anymore. <laughs> running around doing this, and we were running around doing this, doing that, and um, and I'm sitting down here almost out of breath tired you know maybe it's aging who knows anyway <laughs> uh we did vote we everybody voted uh here in the house here you know in the studio and uh we hope you voted you know we hope if you did not vote you have no voice in america on the george wilder jr show everybody must be a voter in order to listen to my show okay listen to the show you don't vote you have no voice um you have no say in your government you have no say in nothing Nobody will pay you any attention. Nobody want you around. Believe me, voting is a big deal. It is a big, big deal. And we have to get out of here and change the direction of this country because it's going down into the sewer. So everybody, you know, vote, 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 vote. we got to change the direction of this country. We need to take back the Senate. We need to take back the uh, House of Representatives. Uh 2018 midterms elections, a lot of people, and this is true, a lot of people, a lot of voters, registered voters, do not vote in the midterm elections. And that's kind of crazy because they do not vote in the uh, midterm elections. And that's kind of crazy because the, the midterm elections are just as important as the presidential elections on election day. It is very important. We got Donald Trump here, somebody who should not be in the White House. There's no doubt about that. Uh, There's no uh, Americans know this. So you must vote. You must vote. Because if you don't vote, that's a vote for Donald Trump. That's a vote for the Republicans. If you don't use your vote, it will be used, but probably not the way you want it to be used. A no vote is a vote for a Republican. Folks, that's true. And we have to get the word out about that. You got people. I mean, the other day, I personally ran into a young lady and we were voted. This this was a voting day in Chicago, which was, um, I believe it was last week on the 20th. Yeah, yeah, the 20th. And everybody was voting for uh, in the primary in, in the city of Chicago. In the state of Illinois, and I ran into this young lady as we were going into the uh, voting booth to vote, and she was asked, "Did she vote?" And she said, "No, I don't vote." And right then, there, I wanted to take her by her, whatever, and and pull her aside and say, "What? You're not voting?" Uh, you know. However, you've got people like that. They will proudly tell you that they do not vote as if it's some sort of badge of honor not to vote as if it's something that they willingly not going to do because they don't want to and you can't make them um 
there are people out there like that. There are people out there who probably haven't voted in years because they tell themselves for whatever reason they will not vote and they act as if the the they act some of them act as if the people who are voting are stupid. They are dumb or they're going to hell in a in a hell basket, in a handbasket because they're voting. The people don't know this is not a game. This is uh, this is real and it's too real. You, this man Donald Trump in office could bomb you off the face of the earth, take the lives of everybody, men, women, boys, girls, because he's unstable. And Congress is no better. Congress is no better. Obviously, a lot of these people in Congress. They're waiting on the Mueller investigation, but this investigation could be know, two or three years uh, from now. I hope it does. I, I hope it doesn't take that long. But it, anything's, nothing's uh, impossible. Nothing's impossible. So if we can take back the House and the Senate, even if Donald Trump is in power, we can stop this rogue president, this fake president, in his footsteps. Yeah, there's they're going to be meddling from outside uh, forces into the election. But I do think that if people galvanize and just mobilize and just uh, be determined to take back their country, I don't even think that the meddlers will uh, accomplish anything because the people will be voting by not by the tens of thousands, but by the millions of millions because a lot of these folks know, they know what is at stake. The country is at stake. We know we have an unstable, unfit, lying, pathological, narcissistic president who feels no empathy. He feels no sympathy. He doesn't give a fuck about anybody. It's all about himself. It may be that Donald Trump doesn't, I I posted something and that said Donald Trump uh, that the whole world hates Trump. The United States of America hates Trump. How did this guy, uh, you know, how does he live? I mean, how does he live with himself, knowing that he's hated and that he's not liked, and they every there's people out here are actually wishing he would die. How does he? And he knows it. And I. I went on to say the stress alone from all of this shit that he's involved in, I mean, all of it, all of it could kill him alone. But there are people who are posting saying, no, it won't. It's not going to bother him at all. As long as his name is mentioned, whether it's positive or negative, he gets adrenaline out of that. He gets adrenaline out of that. I think he gets adrenaline out of hurting people, too, and hurting America. So we have to get this guy out of the out of uh, the, the White House. We take back the Congress. We take back Congress, both houses, the Senate and the House of Representatives. More than likely, if the Democrats, once they take over, once they take over the the um, Congress, if they are not weak, if they are not spineless if they're not afraid of Donald Trump, 
he will be impeached. But I do know that when the Democrats are in power, they have it all. I remember back in 2009, 2010, when the Democrats had everything. They had the White House. They had the uh, House of Representatives. They had the Senate. I mean, they had everything. They were in charge. They were leading. What I think screwed them up, messed them up a lot, was that they were infighting, infighting with each other. They were fighting with each other. And even I was pissed off at that. And the Republicans were bashing them and lying and slamming them and criticizing them, talking loud, Fox, and they lost. They lost everything because they were just spineless and they were just hungry for power, trying to uh, uh, trying to outdo one another when it comes to getting on television and, and sprouting whatever they uh, sprouting, were sprouting at that time. But anyway, Maybe they've learned something since 2010. Maybe they've learned something. And we all have learned a lot. We've learned that Republicans cannot lead, will not lead, and should not lead. We've learned those. We've, we've learned that. All right, change the world by being the best that you can be. Change your country by voting. If you do not vote, you will. If you do not vote, you have no voice. There's no doubt about it. Then you can't bitch. You, you can't uh, cry. You can't uh, pretend like you're concerned if you don't vote. And there are so many people, as I just got through saying, they're not voting. That's one of the reasons I think we got Trump. A lot of people agree with that. A lot of people didn't vote because they felt that they were too proud to vote. Uh, voting was not something that they wanted to do. Voting Not voting was a badge of honor. That's, I mean, these people are crazy. There's, if you don't want to vote, don't vote. But don't, but don't bitch either because you have no voice. You have no voice if you don't vote. Nobody's going to listen to you about anything. Not voting uh, affects your pocketbook. Higher taxes, a down economy. Um, lower wages, uh, not having your potholes fixed in front of your house. Voting means a lot. Don't think not voting, you're not going to be affected. You're going to be affected by this one way or another for not voting. For not voting. These people want to destroy your unions that protect you, to keep you from getting fired. They want to destroy unions that... uh, upholds uh, uh, the, the right of sexual harassment not to be allowed in the, in the uh, workplace for you to have time and a half for you to be able to get a job and not be harassed but if you don't vote and if enough, enough people don't vote that'll never happen or it, or it will never be sustained you have to get out here and do your job you have to vote I wouldn't be talking voting if I actually didn't hear a lot of people during my time say that they will will not vote uh, as if it's some kind of uh, 
badge of honor not to vote is some kind of a great thing not to vote or well, I'm not voting. You want my vote? You know, I mean, I've, I've seen people like that. And I think it's stupid. I think it's crazy. I think it's just downright lunacy. If you live in America, uh, don't come talk to me, talking to me about your religion. Your religion tells you not to vote. But then maybe you should move somewhere else. Because when you don't vote, your no vote affects the people who did vote. Enough, of pe- enough people who do not vote and the wrong candidate gets into office, that can affect your bottom line and you're dragging people down with you because you didn't vote and you didn't vote for your interest. There's a lot of people out here who do vote, but they vote the wrong way. They vote for people who are going to hurt them, who's going to hurt their pocketbook, hurt them economically, hurt them any way they can. And and that's wrong for people to vote for people who do not have their best interest at heart. Now you got a lot of folks like that, you know. And once they vote for the wrong uh, candidate, a few months down the road, they're saying, or a year, they're saying that they wish they hadn't voted for this person. Too late now. And I want to say, anybody that you vote for, make sure, make sure that you know who they are. There are too many Republicans running as Democrats, trying to run as Democrats, wanting to run as Democrats because they know that we are the 99 percenters. And the conservatives on Donald Trump's side, they are the one percenters. Now, who has the most to lose? Yeah, there's a lot of people out here giving all kinds of reasons for not voting. It's it it's just not working. But I'm homeless. That's not working. It's a it's a million people out here who are homeless who vote every time every chance they get. That's not a, an excuse. Well, I'm my religion. That's not an excuse either. If you don't want to vote, you don't vote. But don't bitch. Don't complain. Don't argue. You have no debate. You have nothing to say. You are voiceless. Nobody wants to hear from you. Please, voters, other people who vote, they don't want to hear from you if you don't vote, if you haven't voted. Then you just have to hang around with people who are non-voters like you are. Sit around and talk dumb shit because you didn't vote. But I can tell you this, if you don't vote, and you and that's fine with you the rest of the country will vote and we will take this country back and for all of you people who did not vote or will not vote you're going to benefit and you're going to benefit and reap the rewards of the people who did vote now that's unfair you shouldn't get a damn thing because you didn't vote all right you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr show on Blog Talk Radio um I was, I'm talking about uh, if you did not vote, you have no voice, so don't come bitching to me or anybody else. Okay, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Hate lies have no home here. Be nice to one another. It is so easy. Teach the peace you want to see. I like that one. 
teach the peace that you want to see. Okay, uh, we've been off the air for a while, and I hope you uh, have been enjoying the podcast uh, that are here on this website, the George Wilder Jr. Show, Block Talk Radio. I'm, Block Talk Radio is right here. I mean, if, if the show is off the air, make sure you enjoy a podcast. There's over 500 of them of the George Wilder Jr. Show's podcast that you can listen to while I'm off the air or maybe out of town or or just relaxing, <laughs> taking a break or whatever, or going to the store or something. We, we, <laughs> we, uh, uh, I mean, we deserve, we, we deserve to, to, uh, to, um, always, uh, enjoy ourselves. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're going to try and do this. All right, welcome back. Democratic mega donor and billionaire environmentalist Tom Steyer is known for spending millions of his own dollars on Democratic campaigns. Well, now the party's single biggest donor is spending again, only this time his money is going to a national TV ad campaign calling for President Trump's impeachment. Take a look. A Republican Congress once impeached a president for far less. Yet today, people in Congress and his own administration know this president is a clear and present danger who's mentally unstable and armed with nuclear weapons. Tom Steyer is a retired former hedge fund founder and manager who poured $91 million of his own money into Democratic campaigns just last year alone. And he's joining us now live. Good to see you, Tom. Hey, Frederica, how are you? I'm good. So this ad campaign, according to one of your aides, cost more than $10 million. And given the Republican-controlled Congress, you know, why do you feel that this is money well spent? Well, what we're trying to do is we're trying to give a voice to the American people because I think Democrats and Republicans alike know that this president is, in fact, a clear and present danger to their health and safety. And so we're trying to give them a chance to go to their representatives and make this case because that's the, the American people still, their voice is the most powerful thing in our country. And if they speak up, then elected officials have to listen. But on what grounds do you believe Trump should be impeached? Because it has to be more than a belief of clear and present danger or right. access to nuclear weapons. He has violated his trust to the Constitution and to the American people. By firing James Comey, he clearly obstructed justice. That is the historical basis for impeaching a president. He has been, the emoluments clause has been um, broken. The fact of the matter is he has clearly broken his trust with the Constitution. The reason that we're calling for it is that it's urgent that it happen now. The fact of the matter is he is putting us at risk on a daily basis. And he has, you, you can go to legal scholars, he has clearly met the standard for impeachment, but we have to have it. And so that's why we're going to the American people and asking them to raise their voices and say, we need a change. Uh, but but there are parameters in which the, the president does have the authority to hire and fire the FBI director. Yes, but obstructing justice is not one of them. The fact of the matter is if you look at the historical impeachments, they were all based around obstructing justice mm. at much lower levels or equivalent levels to what he's already done publicly. Okay, well, looking into obstruction of justice among the many things that uh, congressional uh, investigations are looking into, the special counsel, Robert Mueller, also looking into it with his investigations. Why not wait until those investigations are complete? Because it is urgent. Because, in fact, 
we are giving this president a new parameter that he not only has to meet the old parameters for being impeached, now all of a sudden there's a much lower standard that he is allowed to do things that no one else has ever been allowed to do before. We should not be breaking the Constitution to keep in office a president who is putting at risk the safety and health of Americans on a daily basis. I don't understand why we're delaying. In fact, it's urgent right now that we act, and that's what we're asking the American people to stand up and speak for. So as the DNC, uh, Democratic National Committee, gathers for its fall meeting this uh, weekend, among the concerns that the party lacks resources to win midterm elections, do you plan to put money into other 2018 campaigns? Well, what we really do, Frederica, is we're really a grassroots organization, which means is we make it possible for local groups to go door to door, to phone bank, to talk citizen to citizen about the issues of the day. That's what we did in 2016. And of course, we're going to keep doing that in 2017. We're already doing it in 2018. Our whole push is the old fashioned idea that American citizens talking to each other about the most important issues of the day is the way that we have a vibrant and just democracy. And we will continue doing that just the way we have for the last few years. So, so quickly, might this be... All righty. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right. Uh, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. We are broadcasting live out of the city of Chicago. It feels so good to be in daylight savings time. The day's a little longer. I think they should federalize it to uh, uh, just kill daylight savings time and let the sun come, come shining through. Always uh, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Let's go over here and see what's... Uh, all right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. One, two, three, four, gone. All righty. We, <laughs> it feels good. Daylight savings times feels, feels, feels pretty good, folks. It really, really does. And um, uh, yeah, uh, I want to congratulate the, the kids uh, on March. Um, Saturday, Saturday, March 24th, uh, the, the tens of hundreds of thousands of young people galvanizing. It was beautiful. I mean, there's uh, there, tens and thousands of young people galvanizing. David Hogg, I am a fan of David Hogg. He's 17 years old, great young man, beautiful young man, and... I think that they did a great job. These kids that were marching and uh, uh, for the betterment of the country, marching for their lives, marching for some sort of gun control. They're not asking. They're not asking for their for guns to be taken away. They're asking for at least there be some uh, uh, some kind of curtail on military style weapons that a lot of these uh, uh, wing nuts uh, get their hands on and go shoot up a school. And it's it's a shame that so many uh, people out here, especially Fox News and a lot of these Rick Santorum are criticizing these young people. Um, uh, the Republicans are still at it. I mean, they are criticizing these young people for uh, standing up and wanting to uh, protect themselves and protect their fellow students. I think it's appalling that they would stoop so low. But this is what the Republicans are all about. And these kids are going to be 18. A lot of them are 18, and they said they're going to vote and vote them out. And I totally, totally agree. All right. You're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead.
Yeah. I'm All right, listening. one. I'm just listening. <laughs> okay. Okay, you want to continue the list, or you want to say something, or? Yeah, I'm sitting here listening. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Okay. Uh, we'll be right back. We're going to do something right here. We're going to take a little musical break, and we will be right back. I'm going to thank the callers just for listening. And that's, 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 I mean, <laughs> you can't hardly ask for anything more than that. Okay. All right. Um, bing, 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 bing. We'll be right back. Hang in there. All right, I'm hearing that uh, the Stormy Daniels uh, review uh, interview yesterday with, um, I believe it was Anderson Cooper. If I'm wrong, uh, someone could correct me. It was huge. Ratings for Stormy interview was huge. Nothing like Donald Trump has ever got on The Apprentice or anywhere else. 
the person who is really, <laughs> really uh, uh, ups, uh, obsessed with uh, ratings is Donald Trump, and he very seldom get him. I'm hearing that his poll numbers are up, probably two or three. Raining outside. Was it raining when you came in? Yeah, I was surprised. I didn't. I mean, I was watching the weather. Uh, what I'm saying is, I was watching the weather. I didn't hear anything about it raining, but it is raining <laughs> in in the city of Chicago, folks. I, the, there was nothing. Uh, these weather people, they just they just can't get it right. They just really they, and they call themselves meteorologists, right? And they just really can't get this right. Anyways, get back to the ratings for Stormy Daniels' uh, interview. I mean, she was talking about her and Donald Trump's. You know, they were making love, uh, had sex or whatever. And uh, Trump is saying that she's lying like a dog. And uh, I mean, if she is lying, why did his his personal lawyer pay this woman $130,000 to shut up so she can't be she can't be that far off when it comes to lying, Donald? Uh <laughs> You know, I mean, the ratings, uh, that's one of the things uh, Trump didn't want this and his lawyers didn't want. They didn't want anybody to watch this this interview and the whole world watched it. And uh, just like Trump and his gang did not want anybody to buy the book by Michael Wolf, Fire and Fury, everybody bought it. You know, Donald Trump and his gang, they tried to stop. They tried to stop the book. Uh, I'm pretty sure they tried to stop the interview. I don't know what what makes him think that he can stop. Uh, try to put a halt to books and television shows. It, it, it ain't gonna as if he's the only one in the world with lawyers, right? But anyway, the ratings for the uh, uh, 60 minute show, which Stormy Daniels was on, and she was interviewed by Anderson Cooper, was was out of this world. And this is one of the things Donald Trump and his bunch, they hate. Stormy Daniels scores 60 Minutes. It's the highest rating in nearly a decade. Donald Trump doesn't want to hear that, you know, because, uh, all right, 60 Minutes viewers are more interested in alleged sex scandals involving President Donald Trump than they once were in his thoughts about winning the election. Or so, Nielsen ratings released Monday suggests former adult film star Stormy Daniels. Her her real name is Stephanie Clifford. Uh, such an American-sounding name, Stephanie Clifford. Now she's Stormy Daniels because she's the queen. Well, she used to be or she was or she's former porn queen. She, I, I think I read somewhere where she said she's produced them and directed them and starred in them. Porn- pornography. Wow. Hmm. Okay, film uh former adult film actress Stormy Daniels Sunday night uh interview about her alleged affair. It's alleged. I I think this is going to have to go to court. I think this is going to I mean I mean there's other people suing Donald Trump. Donald Trump was being sued long before he became president. I mean, I think he's got over 3,500 lawsuits up his ass. And um uh, these are just more coming. And I think that the way Donald Trump gets out of uh, of all of this stuff, he pays them off. He sends his lawyers out there and they pay them off. Okay, pay them to keep quiet, threaten them, uh, like she said. And I do believe all of that because Donald Trump is that kind of a person. If you know Donald Trump, if you followed him through the years and you watched his rallies, you know that she's telling the truth. 
but it ha- would it has to be uh, proven in a court of law, uh, and that's where she's seemingly want to take Trump because she filed uh, some lawsuits against him. She's she's filing lawsuits to try to get out of these disclosure contracts that she signed with Donald Trump. She wants to get out of those. She wants to be able to tell everything. Now there was some disclosure contracts that I think there was three. She said that 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 they pushed her and made her to sign that um, that there was no sex. She said they pushed her, pressured her, threatened her into signing uh, three other disclosure um, uh, uh, contracts. Uh, she said she only did it because she was afraid of something like that. All right, uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure Donald Trump is quaking in his boots again. They're trying to figure out how to how to retaliate, how to uh, come up and say this is not true, you know. And, and when the White House says something is not true, more than likely, it's true. <laughs> so every time Donald Trump says, "Well, I, I don't believe that. It's fake news. Fake news. This is fake news. This is not true." Wow, so much fake news. The only thing we have a fake president. We have a fake. Now we we have a fake president. Now we have uh, this um, firm called Cambridge Analytica. If I'm pronouncing it, it okay. Uh, a firm that's connected to Donald Trump, and they bragged about helping him win the election, along with Russia interference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her real name is Stephanie Clifford. Wow. That marks the show's highest sixty minutes. A rating since 2008, 10 years, when a post-election interview with Barack Obama and Michelle Obama drew 25.1 million viewers. Wow, a lot of people watched this yesterday. I, you know, I, I've uh, being uh, on the radio and uh, somewhat in the media, I, I listened to it also in its entirety. Um, by comparison, the post-election interview with Trump and his family was viewed by 20 million people. Trump, don't, <laughs> Trump doesn't like to be on the bottom end of anything, believe me. So his lawyers are probably going to come up with some more lies uh, to try to combat a lot of things. But the interview, the first major sit-down that gave – that gave – he gave after his victory may have lost some viewers due to its nearly half an hour delay in several large markets, including New York, Chicago, and Washington. So Donald Trump, I mean, the White House is denying everything that Stormy Daniels said in this 60-minute interview on Sunday. They're denying and everything. I mean, what else could they do? They're not going to admit Trump had sex with this woman. And in some cases, do you really care who Trump has have sex with? It's not that we care because I don't care who he screws. That's up to him. But some people around the government feels that this this $130,000 payoff may have been a, an illicit campaign contribution. They're denying that, too, because who cares what what uh, Donald Trump, who he screws and, you know, that that that's him. I couldn't care less. It'll be a, it's a, probably a big part for uh, his his wife, his wife, Ivanka, you know, I, and I'm hearing that uh, 
she uh, she has she has to know about Trump and his uh, wayward words wayward words ways back then. She had to know about it, and I don't think she really gives a damn. I don't I don't I don't I don't think she cares if Trump uh, had sex with fifty people, sixty, fifty people. I don't think she cares. I think she's she likes the cake. She likes the money. She likes the uh, attention that she's getting now. And I'm hearing in some places, I sound like uh, TMZ, right? <laughs> this is not TMZ. But I do have, I've said this before on the show, that I don't think Trump and his wife really do love each other. I think it just a show for the camera whenever they're together because Donald Trump is alone most of the time. I think he's, he's basically alone in the white house. Um, he's alone most of the time. And obviously Donald Trump jr. Is getting divorced. You know, I mean, he's cheating ways, but anyway, uh, let's get back to the review. I, I think the review, uh, the interview was, was, was not really a probing one because Donald Trump is still in the white house. He has not been, uh, walked out in handcuffs. You know, a lot of people are, are looking for that. So a lot of people are saying that, you know, probably saying the interview really didn't touch on anything that, that we didn't already know. Okay, this is uh, uh, Stormy Daniels and one of her quotes from the 60 Minutes show. I was in a parking lot going to a fitness class with my infant daughter, Daniels said, and a guy walked up to me and said to me, leave Trump alone. Leave Trump alone. Forget the story. And then he leaned around and looked at my daughter and said, that's a beautiful girl. It would be a shame if something happened to her. To Something that happened to her mom. Then he was gone. Sounds like a spy movie or something, right? Um, but, you know, somehow I believe it. Somehow I believe it. And they're saying they have plenty of proof of everything. They're saying that even though Trump is denying everything that she said and denying this and denying that, and the lawyer, his lawyer is saying that he paid Stormy Daniels $130,000 out of his own pocket. Trump didn't even know about it. Now, who's going to believe a lie like that? He paid paid her $130,000 out of his own pocket to shut up, not to say anything. His lawyer. You know a lawyer that would do that? <laughs> uh, I mean, they're coming up with all kind of lies. And I, I, I would like to see this in court. If Trump gets indicted, if Trump has to go to court for anything, if, uh, for something he did wrong, his presidency is over. If he's indicted on anything, if Mueller comes up with anything, collusion, obstruction of justice, lying, money laundering, more obstruction of justice, he's out of there, regardless of whether um, regardless of whether Congress does anything or not. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we will take a time. <laughs> Making the world a better place, <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now... The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. Yeah! 
want to say one more thing about the um, David Hogg and these kids that were marching on Saturday. I, I think that this was phenomenal. I think it probably should scare every Republican out there who know that they're corrupt, who know that they should not be in office because they're not representing the people who put them there. I admire those kids. Those kids were, I mean, they were straightforward in saying, we're going to vote you out. We're going to vote you out. I mean, I, I mean, they were saying it's loud and clear and, and in so many ways. And now you got people coming out, uh, blasting these kids, uh, saying naughty and hateful things about them. And all they want to do is try to um, marching for their lives and marching for their uh, uh, classmates' lives. Not to be running and ducking from uh, machine gun fire from an AKA-47 or some other military-style weapon in class. And arming teachers, I don't think I've ever had I don't think I've ever said anything about arming teachers, but I might have. If you can go back and check those podcasts, it, it could could have happened. But anyway, let me say this again if I said it once before. Arming teachers is a stupid, dumb idea. Coming from the camp, coming from the Donald Trump camp, it's a dumb, stupid idea. And it may be even coming from that idiot, Bessie DeVos. Um who is trying to get who is trying to undermine and and cut education altogether Teacher, teachers should not be armed their job is to teach the i mean i mean i was hearing something the other day about some teacher somewhere where he was armed and a gun accidentally went off and hit a student these kinds of things happen and will happen Suppose a teacher who suppose a teacher who was armed and was walking through the uh, hallway of the school. Suddenly he got jumped and one of the and got his gun taken away from him. He gets shot and everybody else gets shot because he has a gun. I mean, it's all kinds of you can think of every scenario there is not for not to have a teacher carry a gun in the classroom. If you're going to put guns in school, make sure a security guard is carrying them, a police officer is carrying them, officer is carrying them, someone who is licensed and knows how to use it, who has hours and hours of training at the firearm range. Teachers don't want to do that. That's crazy. Teachers' job should be to teach, not to carry firearms and not to be shooting all through the school. That's the job of put more policemen in there. Put give them the guns, give them the tools. Not teachers. Most most majority of teachers don't want to do nothing like that anyway. The majority of the students don't want to see their ki- their their teachers, gym teachers carrying guns while they're trying to because a lot of it, a lot of guns in classroom can make students nervous. A lot of people don't like to see people with guns because that makes them nervous. I mean, if your teacher, if your teacher is armed and you're in a classroom, you're a student, your teacher is armed 
uh, and they have walking around uh, teaching, but they have a gun on the side of them. Uh, uh, your eyes are not going to be on your teacher. Your eyes are going to be on that gun. Your eyes are not going to be on what he's trying to teach you or show you or present to you. While your eyes are going to be on his side on that gun. You know, so it, it's a lot of uh, scenarios, as, as I said, about not having a gun in school. And it's a crazy suggestion. It's a wild suggestion. It's a dumb suggestion. You know, but, you know, mo the majority of the people who are suggesting that teachers carry gun, guns are the NRA folks. And, uh, yeah, the NRA, that was one of another, um, that was another agency uh, uh, that, were criticizing or have criticized these kids for marching, but they really don't realize it that these kids are voters and they will vote them out. As I've said before, they know that these kids are going to vote them out. They know their jobs are going to be over. So the Republicans don't and, and believe this. The Republicans are going to try to suppress the vote, to keep you from voting, to keep me from voting, to keep those kids from voting. Because they know if they do not cheat some kind of way, they will not win. And now that they're suppressing the votes for you and suppressing the votes for me, they're figuring out a way to suppress it for all of these kids who said that they're going to vote their asses out. And, and I'm pretty sure that there's a few Republicans in Congress trying to come up with scenarios, ways to to uh, keep people from voting. They may, they may even raise the voting age from 18 to 21. It, anything could happen within now. And they'll, they'll try to just with some bullshit. It's fluent, fluent. And I, I'm just waiting uh, uh, until this happens. They're going to try to suppress the youth vote. Because they will not have jobs if they don't do that. And Pennsylvania, I mean, the, the Republicans in Pennsylvania are are awful. I mean, they want to suppress the vote so bad. They're 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 telling the people that they want to suppress the vote because they know if they don't suppress the vote, they will not win.
John Garamendi of California. Congressman, thanks very much for coming in. Be here. If Stormy Daniels uh, was physically threatened, as this allegation has now come forward by someone close to the president in order to try to cover up this affair, well, that would be a very serious matter. Should there be, in your opinion, a criminal investigation? I just don't know. I mean, this whole thing is just spinning out of control. We've got the president of the United States in a situation where his entire White House is falling apart. And just yesterday, we learned that Russia is hacking into our essential utilities, nuclear power plants, on and on and on. This presidency is a very serious security threat through the United States. And if that security threat goes to these women, it's just one more thing. That ought to say us, it's time to get this guy out of there. Well, is, is Congress, should Congress investigate, do something, if there were, in fact, physical threats against this woman? The first place to go is the district attorney in Los Angeles, if that's where the threat took place. And then we'll see where it goes. It goes beyond that. If there is something beyond that, then yes, absolutely. That becomes one of the things that will be on the impeachment, if it, in fact, happened. Now, when you say get this guy out of there, I mean, those are strong words. Those are very strong words. Tell me what what you're referring to. Well, I've had it with this president. We have a situation in which he has been one year not pushing back against Putin and Russia. During that entire year, Russia has not only continued to hack our election processes, but it's also hacking into, gaining control of nuclear power plants, water systems, sanitation systems, aviation systems. That is an act of war. Nothing less than that. The Department of Homeland Security has now acknowledged, has now said that the Russians are trying to uh, get into those systems. This isn't me talking. This is from the Secretary of the Homeland Security and the Department of Energy. We have within the Department of Defense a thing called Cyber Command. It is their job to defend and to push back. Have they been given orders by the president to do what they are capable of doing, to push back against Russia, to put Russia back on their heels? They are threatening the very lives of America to say nothing of our economy. And this president has said not one word You're about it. You're on the Armed Services Committee. I am. Have there been orders to the U.S. Cyber Command to go forward and deal with this? We don't know. We need to ask that, that question. We need to bring them in and say, has the president told you to defend this nation, to push back against Putin and Russia? If not, that's a clear dereliction of the constitutional responsibility of the president of the United States. Well, you, you want him to be impeached? Is that what you're saying? It would be an article of impeachment if he hasn't done what he can do to protect the very essential elements of this nation, our power grid our water systems, our nuclear energy plants. If he's not willing to protect them, yes, that is an article of impeachment. Will it amount to that? It's one more thing on top of all this other stuff. And, and let me wrap up this uh, Stormy Daniels uh, issue. If there were, alleg- the, the lawyer says there were allegations made uh, while Donald Trump was serving as president of the United States against Stormy Daniels' threats, what kind of threats? We don't know. He's not speculating. He's not suggesting what kind of threats. But this raises further questions of, you know, what, if anything, should be done about that? Well, certainly it's a subject of investigation. I said, first of all, let's get the facts. It's an issue for the district attorney and probably in Los Angeles, if that's where the effects took place. If there is something here, then yes, there ought to be an investigation. But do not count on the House of Representatives to do their job. They have completely abandoned the people of America by not continuing the investigation into what this president did what his team did, what happened during the election, and what 
other kinds of things are out there with regard to Putin, Trump, and Russia. You're talking about the Republican majority in the am. House Intelligence Committee, but are you saying all Republicans in the House of Representatives have abandoned their responsibility? I don't see one of them standing up and saying, we need to know. We need to know what happens so that we can put in place laws and programs to protect this nation's democracy. And now we have these cyber attacks. I don't hear from them. Where is the Speaker of the House of Representatives? You think this thing shut down without his permission? No, no. He allowed it or caused it to shut down. He is right there. It is his job, as it is mine, to protect this nation. So you're, you're suggesting that uh, the Russians are engaged in these cyber attacks against power it. grids, whatever, nuclear no. power plants, that they're threatening to I'm do I'm not so. suggesting. This comes from the Secretary of Homeland right. Defense and also from the Department of Energy. We, we have a full report on that coming up, but what should the U.S. do about that? We must do two things. First of all, put in place the defensive mechanisms that we have at hand. That's what Cyber Command is in the Department of Defense is supposed to be doing. Secondly, we must push back. Sanctions are good, but we can take other actions. We can make it very clear to Russia, you have messed with us, we're not taking it, and here's what's going to happen to you tomorrow morning, here's what it'll be. Strong words. What about uh, General McMaster? He's supposedly now on his way out as the president's national security advisor. Are you okay with that? No, I'm not. I want to know who's going to replace him. McMaster well, the speculation is John Bolton, the former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. during the Bush administration. One of the neocoms that got us into the Iraq war. There's a great idea. No way. So you don't, you, you would... No, I don't think so. You have confidence in McMaster. I have certainly more confidence in him than I do in Bolton because I know what Bolton did to this country in the early 2000s. Well, he took us together with... With others. President Bush and Vice President Cheney, Defense Secretary Rumsfeld. Uh, he later became the U.S. ambassador... But he was of the part of those neocoms in the early... 2000 that were part of guiding us into the Iraq he war. He supported the, the war he in Iraq. He did. And, and on that, he disagrees with the president. Uh, president Trump says that was a disaster. The U.S. wasted trillions of dollars. On that, you agree with Donald Trump. I do find agreement in places with him, but that was long before he became president and became commander-in-chief of the United States military. One final question before I let you go. Uh, the, the whole notion of the turmoil that's going on in the White House right now, this is happening on the eve, potentially, of the president sitting down with Kim Jong-un of North Korea and all sorts of other tense issues right now, Russia specifically, what's happening in the Middle East and Syria with Iran. Uh, this seems like a pretty chaotic situation when there are so many national security issues at stake. Precisely so. It is the chaos of the White House. Yeah. It is the inability of this president to be consistent over time that puts us at extraordinary risk and extraordinary danger. The negotiations, yes, we ought to be negotiating with North Korea.
Rob, excuse me, Rob Porter. I need my glasses. Rob Porter is one of Donald Trump's aides that was three or four months ago or weeks ago. He was let go from the White House because he beat up his wives. He beat on his wives, and now Donald Trump wants him back. That's 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 a silly move. That's a dumb move. But uh, what else can we say about Trump? Trump Trump telling aides he wants to bring back Rob Porter, and it's a report. This is a report. And if it's true, this is this is crazy. Why would you want to bring some back somebody back you had to fire because of domestic violence, beating up on his wives? This is this is why I say we have the wrong person in office. Donald Trump does not need to be president of the United States. He's a fake president. He was helped by he he votes were brought his way by rogue companies like Cambridge Analytica, the Russians hacking, and he and Donald Trump himself conning and lying and BSing his way into the White House. And now he doesn't want to quit. He doesn't want to leave, but he will. And a lot of people saying he's not leaving because he's a narcissist, a fascist. He feels no pain. He doesn't give a damn how many people hate him, how many countries hate him. As, as long as they mentioning and knowing his name, that's good enough for Donald Trump. But it's not good enough for America. Okay, Trump telling AIDS, once again, he wants to bring back Rob Porter. Uh, in my thinking, he's a felon. All right, the Pennsylvania GOP disappointed by rep retire, representative retiring after filing deadline. A lot of these guys are, are jumping ship, the Republicans. I mean, there's been over 30 to 40 of them jumping ship, so that should make it easy for a Democrat to replace them. Uh, there's a lot of special elections around the country, and uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's um, increasing. I mean, it's, it's increasing that these Republicans are quitting, and they should because – I, as I said earlier, these people cannot govern. They cannot govern. They they don't want to govern. Even some of them know that they're not governing. Governing, what they're doing, they're hurting America. They're cutting this, cutting that, and um, every regulation to man. Uh, and they know themselves that they can't govern. This is why they're jumping ship. Democrats out there, once uh, as I've said at the top of the show, you must vote. You have no voice if you do not vote. These young people, <laughs> they're going to vote. And the Republicans are shaking in their shoes because they know their job is done. They were voted in to be servants of the people, of their voters. They failed. They have failed miserably. Twenty-eight. The 28 midterms are going to be so interesting. I'm just hoping Democrats <laughs> do not win back uh, the Senate and the, and the House of Representatives and become wimps and weak and whining and let the Republicans get away with so much. I think the people are going to be in their butts on this one.